All right, welcome to the third episode of the Easier Said Than Done podcast. My name is Brandon Donahue. Join with me, Dave Toscano and Bob Horgan. Fellas, how we doing? Howdy. Living life. Uh, me and Dave are both uh, currently quarantined. Uh, it's been kind of a, a long week or so. Dave, how you feeling? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Uh, I'm on day three now, um, so I haven't gotten to the point where I'm driving myself crazy yet, but it's it's bound to happen here pretty soon. I think I'm also on day – I might be on day four, actually. I lost track. You, you said, like, first day you were on the brink of death? Yeah, I just had a really high fever and stuff, but came down. I can still taste and stuff. That's good. There you go. Does everybody else in your apartment have it? Yeah, the one guy who I'm with has it, and the other guy went home. Gotcha. Wait, you're only living with two other people right now? Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Uh, pretty busy week. We'll hop right into it. First one is something that happened about three hours ago. Uh, Carson Wentz traded from Philadelphia to uh, Indianapolis for a third and a second with the condition that uh, it could turn into a first. Um, you know, he's reunited with uh, his old offensive coordinator, Frank Reich. Um, played obviously played very well under Reich before having some some injury problems, uh, and then Reich would eventually leave and head to Indy here. Um, you know, obviously this this is the the changing of the guard, if you will, in uh, Philly. Jalen Hurts has got to you have to assume that he's the starting quarterback. Um, remains to be seen if maybe they draft somebody. I don't think they will at this point. Um, Indy, this very intriguing move for Indy. Very high, high ceiling, very low floor here. Um, you know, I. It's going to be interesting how they kind of approach this whole thing because the condition is that if he plays seventy five percent of the snaps, then the second rounder turns into a first rounder. Um, so if they're in a spot here where if you know they're kind of fighting for a playoff spot or something like that. Um, and he does end up playing that and they don't make the playoffs, then you've kind of given up a third, a third and a first for a guy who maybe, maybe can't take you to the playoffs here. Um, Philly is holding the highest cap hit of all time from a trade. They're going to be eating up $33 million of Carson Wentz's deal. Um, Bob, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, definitely a big trade, kind of one that I could see, you know, changing – Changing some uh, some ideals in the NFL. Um, don't really know why I used ideals there, but just kind of changing some some uh, stereotypes in the NFL with you know Indianapolis. Um, I think they're going to become. I don't know. I personally, I think this could be the trade that puts Indianapolis right. I mean, they're in the thick of things. I would say every year, they're, you know, they're always like that five C that they could win a game. I think they're a top top three team now uh i know it might be a little bit of a hot take again you're talking about carson wentz and uh frank Reich kind of getting back together Wentz had his best season under Reich. i think he was up he did not win the mvp i know we talked about that that was the year philly won the super bowl though and uh wentz played a big part of it in the regular season obviously big dick nick stepped up in the playoffs but uh wentz was money during the regular season um one thing i have been hearing about that the whole time is Wentz and Reich are both very religious, um, and I guess they kind of had like their own little bond um, in Philly. 
So I kind of think that, I mean, if you're Frank Reich and you know he's your guy, I mean, how, in my mind, Wentz is a top 12 guy when he's, when he's on. Um, so I think Indianapolis gets a lot better, um, especially with, you know, I don't think Phillip Rivers was coming back, but you're going to an unknown with, uh, is it Jacoby Brissett was he the guy you were going with? Um, I just think Wentz makes you better. For Philly, I, I love the deal too. I mean, you said the cap hit. Would you rather eat the $33 million now or would you rather eat $100 million on your bench? Because I think that if you, as a Philly fan, you know, as an NFL fan, Philly was a, just a different team with Jalen Hurts. He brings an excitement to the game that Wentz didn't really bring. Um, so I just think both teams kind of win in this trade. Obviously, one will end up losing. I think it will be Philly. But for now, they win. You get the picks. But I think Wentz will end up balling out. Um, that condition is weird. Because it wouldn't shock me. Again, I brought up Jacoby Brissett. He got in a good amount with Indianapolis this year. Not a good amount, but they had a package or two for him, and you would see him on the field. Um, would it shock me if they play with that a little bit? You know, maybe to start the year he rolls out game one or two, kind of let Wentz just keep developing. Um, I would assume Frank Reich's changed some of his stuff up. But, yeah, definitely an interesting deal. You know, I'm, I'm getting kind of – you're going to – you're probably going to disagree with this. I'm getting Cam Newton to the Patriots kind of vibes here. Um, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. It's well, – Cam was obviously never going to play for the Panthers. Um, he, he wasn't – they just signed Teddy Bridgewater. So – and they cut him. Wentz's value right now is significantly higher than Cam's is. He's fresher off of an MVP caliber season. He just played in a, a season and, you know, he didn't look as broken as Cam did uh, before Cam, um, you know, went down injured and was out for the year. But it, it's a fair question to ask if Carson Wentz is broken. Like the way he played last year, those first 11, 12 games, they were what? Two and ten? Yeah, they were not. He was not good. You know, so obviously, like, you know, if, if anyone's going to be able to fix him, it's going to be right. Um, and that there's a there's a good, really good supporting cast around him. That O-line is awesome. Jonathan Taylor's awesome. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's a free agent, but, I mean, that's not the same T.Y. Hilton as he was a couple years ago. Um, Michael Pittman looks like a pretty good receiver. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're active on the free agent market or in the draft trying to get a receiver here. Actually, did did they have a first-round pick this year? They might not. No, they they do. They traded last year's pick for Buckner, but they have one this year, I believe. So, I mean, maybe they go after, like, somebody like a Rashad Bateman, maybe they trade trade up and try and go get, like, a Devontae Smith, something like that. Um, I don't think Devontae will probably be in their range, but that, that's, a, that's a conversation for another day. We'll get into NFL draft stuff later on as we get closer there. Um, but I just think this is a really risky trade for, for Indy here. Um, you know, if it's a third and a first and he doesn't end up being the guy, that sets you back another couple of years. If it's a third and a second and, you know, there, you see something that you can build off of, um, you know, I'm higher on this deal for Philly. I'm not low on this deal for 
for uh, Indianapolis. I'm just very skeptical of how successful this this might be. Yeah, um, kind of going, you know, back to your point, I guess. I, there's definitely, you know, it, it could end up being a bad deal. Could, I, I don't really see the Cam Newton comparison. I get it. I think there's more hope with Wentz. Um, obviously, Cam, you know, the foot, the shoulder, New England sucked. I think he says, Peter, we just didn't have a good team. Um, again, Indy had a, 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 they were a possession away from beating Buffalo in Buffalo. If their, their quarterback couldn't throw the ball. I mean, I think that's one thing that will happen this year too. Um, they give me, again, if we're giving teams with vibes, I get a San Francisco Super Bowl vibe. Um, Indies, you know, you might not say Indies got the stud defense, but they got names on there. They play good defense. Jonathan Taylor is going to be a an elite back. I think we've kind of seen that. You got Naheem Hines in there. You know, I think he's up, but I mean, you got Jordan Wilkins. There's a lot of backs there. You got a good offensive line. You got a couple tight ends. If Wentz sucks, you're going to line up seven guys in the line of scrimmage. You're going to have a fullback in there. You're going to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor 25 times, and you're going to rely on your defense. That's how you're going to play it. And but I think he's good enough where. It's just going to open up everything. I think I really think they got a chance to be a thirteen and three team, especially that that AFC South. Houston's going to suck. Jacksonville's Jacksonville has a chance to be like nine and seven, sneaky. I think if Lawrence can play to what he could be, they got us all. They got all right pieces. I think guys will want to go there and play with him. Jacksonville could be all right. They'll probably go like six and ten. It'll be a learning year. Urban Meyer kind of getting that whole NFL. And then Tennessee, I mean, they got the good offense, but their defense is atrocious. You might go 6-0 in that conference. Like, and then you've also finished second last year, so you're going to get a weaker – I don't know. I think there's a chance that they, they could be a 13-3 team. And again, I think Philly's going to be just fine too. I think – so I, have, I would have to take a look at um, Indy's schedule next year. I think – Six and zero for them to go six and zero in the division might be a little bit of a stretch. Going six and zero in any division is tough. tough uh, yeah, tough, definitely tough, but doable. I, I, I think that Tennessee is. I mean, Tennessee's got something here, and I think they're gonna be they're gonna be all in on everybody defensively. They're gonna probably, if they're smart, they dedicate the entire draft to improving the defense. Um, I think the only person that they're in jeopardy of losing on offense is Corey Davis. He's a free agent. Um, AJ Brown's locked up. Tannehill's locked up. Derrick Henry's locked up. Um, John, John Smith. No, Smith. Johnny Smith is yeah. Um, but again, like so, you know, I think that's one of the most unpredictable divisions in the league. Just because you don't know where Houston's going to be, you don't know what they're going to get for Watson. You don't know Watson might still be there and might just be sitting on the sidelines. Um, for 2021 so if I if I had to guess right now based off of what we know about Carson Wentz without there being a move in the offseason I'm still going to take Tennessee over Indy uh, but I think that there's a lot to be seen here what's going to happen in the next couple of months and how the other teams in this division get uh, how they shape up yep I'll leave it off with one question is Carson Wentz better than Philip Rivers you were 11 and 5 with Philip Rivers is Carson Wentz better than him I don't think we know the answer to that question. If Carson Wentz plays like Carson Wentz last year, then 
maybe it's Philip Rivers. I'm also a Philip Rivers guy, but but yeah. if if we get Carson Wentz of uh, 2018 or 2017 2018 season, then I mean it's obviously it's Carson Wentz. So there's there's a big there's a big question mark here. I, I hate being this guy. I hate being this guy. The last thing I'm going to say on this topic. Me, you, and Dave could have been a better wide receiver core than that Philly wide receiver core. Not saying, not saying that's that. Wentz can still make them better. That receiving core was terrible. They had two good tight ends and a good back. Their line was beat up. Their receivers were terrible. Do you think they were worse than New England? They're 31-32. I don't know. I don't know who's worse. I think Jacoby Myers might, might have been the best receiver out of the bunch. I mean, Jalen Rager wasn't bad, but that, that receiving core was terrible. And then uh, the, before, before we move on, the stat that I got to – I got to – I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Every single quarterback that's been drafted from 2009 to 2016 in the first round is not with the, the team that drafted them. Every single quarterback over the span of seven years. I mean, that's unheard of. You had the, the class, what was it, 2004, where Eli, Roethlisberger, and Rivers all stayed with the same team for 15 years until Rivers left this past year. But still, like, the, the amount of – I mean, I don't know if it speaks more volumes about how the NFL is now and kind of movement and, you know, one-stop quarterbacks aren't as, um, you know, as common or I should say as they were, or if it's the quarterbacks in that draft class, like, you know, just weren't good. I, I have the list here. Um, I think so 2016 was Goff who got traded this year. Um, Give me one second to pull this up. Goff, Wentz, um, Paxton Lynch. I don't – is he in Seattle? I don't think he's around. Jameis Winston's a backup for New Orleans. Marcus Mariota's a backup for the Raiders. 2014 was Bortles, Johnny Football, and Teddy Bridgewater. 2013 is – I don't know if this, is, this can't be right. Is EJ Manuel the only quarterback draft in the first round in 2013? I guess. 2012, yeah. 2012, Andrew Luck, RG3, Tannehill, Whedon. 2011, Cam, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder. 2010, Sam Bradford, Tim Tebow. 2009, Stafford, Mark Sanchez, Josh Freeman. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I think it's probably more about you know those quarterbacks aren't that good. Probably yeah. the best quarterback all, out of all of them is probably Stafford, and then maybe Luck if he. Yeah, probably. Um, all right, we're gonna move right along to a little NBA action here. Uh, the Celtics, not great, not great. Uh, lost to the Hawks last night after a big win over the Nuggets. Uh, it's just not the same Celtics team as you've been accustomed to seeing the last couple of years. Kemba looks like trash. Tatum's pulling up almost every single time he gets the ball. Jalen's probably the only bright spot on, in the starting five, I guess you could say. Um, you know, Pitt, Pritchard's been a bright spot, but smart starting. Um, Stevens has been playing Teague over Pritchard in the times where it matters the most, which makes no sense to me. Um, and there's a lack of 
I guess you could just say quality players on the bench for this team. Uh, Bob, what do you think? Yeah, uh, we got to get better fast. That's really it. Um, you know, the last couple of years watching Celtics, I feel like it's always like that sense of urgency. They're never out of a game. And, like, they just – it's fun to watch them. It hasn't been as fun to watch this year. Um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are both studs. That's – no one can argue that. The supporting cast is, is bad. Again, we're not healthy. You know, if you're healthy, you're probably 20 – I think, what are you, 14 and 14, 15 and 15, whatever it is. You're probably 20 and 8, 20 and 10. Um, I think it shows you – you know, everyone wants to trade Marcus Smart, trade Marcus Smart. <clears throat> the dude needs to be on the court. He's, he's your heart and soul. You think we lose to the Pistons and the Hawks two or three games and with Marcus Smart on the floor? No chance. Um, again, I could go into, I could probably talk about it for half an hour, so I'll keep it short, but I, I we got to do something. Um, Jeff Teague is not the answer. Tristan Thompson, you know, has been solid. Um, you, you know what you're getting with him. You know, he's a veteran presence. He's been there. He's been around winners. Uh, he's a winner himself. Keep him. Play solid. Um, the guy who I really like, and not a lot of people love him, is Daniel Tice. Um, he's kind of he's actually kind of been your your rock, I would say, during all these struggles. I think I saw a stat. He had like the highest three point percentage in the NBA. No, over like a, it was like a like a fifteen day span. It was like minimum like twenty attempts or something, some stat, and he had the highest percent. Not saying that's his game, but that just shows you like he's gonna keep you around. He's not a, a long term big. If he is your first big off the bench, then you get a pretty good starting center. But I don't think Thompson is that much better where it warrants him starting over Daniel Tice at the moment. Subject to the worst foul calls in the NBA. Oh my god! Once a game, he's getting like. Absolutely crucial. Yeah. Terrible. That dude, that dude gets definitely gets the toughest whistle in the NBA. Dave, what do you think is wrong with the Celtics right now? Well, I might I might put a little bit more of a positive spin on it and say that seventeen. This is before last night. Seventeen of their first twenty eight games were away with a five game road trip to the Warriors, Kings, Clips, Suns, Jazz. That's not easy. Um, and we mentioned the other stuff. We got Kemba. He might have. A little bit of lingering knee problems. Um, Tatum and Brown, they don't seem to get any help from the bench. Uh, we mentioned the bench points bottom of the league, towards the bottom of the league in uh, bench points per game, and in general, 22nd uh, as well. So, I don't know. Brad Stevens, too, could be mentioned. I mean, there's a lot of ISO plays, you know. It's, it's, not, it's not totally all good ball movement and stuff like that. And, and again, Marcus Smart, he's got to be on the floor for sure, even though right now or as of the other night, um, sixth-ranked defense in the league, I mean, it's just not the same without, without Marcus. He's, he's just like a ball of energy. And even though he's not really valued by a lot of people on offense, like he can get hot quick, and that's, that can be important in a, in a game. You know, I, I think – I'm, gonna, I'm also going to be a little half-class full here before I go half-class empty. The Celtics have been the last four or five years been traditionally an overachieving regular season team. They pull out a lot of wins that they shouldn't win. They come back. They make a lot of comebacks. And then we kind of get to the playoffs, and it's like they used up all the, the magic or whatever. So 
maybe is this a year where, you know, maybe it just takes them a little bit of time and, you know, they kind of hit their stride in the playoffs for once and kind of get over the hump. And that's half glass full. That guy's a fucking moron. Um, The team that's playing right now is not good. It's not good. The offense is lethargic. Jalen Brown is the only person who I'm comfortable with the ball in their hands. We're getting used to Kemba shooting 25% from the floor every single night. JT is – He's he's too comfortable with pull-ups every single time he gets the ball in his hand, whether it's a sidestep or a step back. And, you know, he was just talking about how he hasn't really felt the same since he's had COVID. Okay, that's fine. You know, let's kind of maybe get into this all-star break, get over past that. Maybe we'll be a, it'll be a different team when they get back. But I, I think you're sadly mistaken if you don't think that a, a move here is entirely necessary. And you have a trade exception here for Hayward. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Kemba gets traded. And for the first time in a while, I'm starting to think that Marcus Smart being traded is a possibility. Not that I want it to happen, but that it is a possibility. And I think, you know, Danny is in love with him probably more than anybody else in the Celtics, with the exception of maybe Jalen or Tatum. But I don't even think that's maybe all that uh, unrealistic. But John Collins is available. Andre Drummond is available. Blake Griffin is available. There are guys out there who can help the Celtics in exactly what they need. Bob, you said it. If Daniel Tice is coming off the bench, you know, you're probably in a pretty good spot. Here's the thing. They need a a starting quality type center. I don't know if I would love Andre Drummond just because a lot of matchups they're going to run into in the playoffs, Drummond's not going to be an ideal matchup for. Um, Collins, I think, would be a perfect, a perfect um, you know, kind of fit on this team. I don't know if the Hawks are going to want to trade them in a division. Um, you know, yeah, it's all about the the package that you send them. And if we know anything about Danny, there's nothing more that he likes than a 28th overall pick. Um, he's shown time and time again that there have been players out there who you have to trade two late firsts for, and he still won't do that. Um, and I think the other thing that's we've we've been saying is you need a bench score. Um, you know, and that's been kind of a reoccurring theme on the Celtics again for the last couple of years, all the way going back to probably 2018 now. Um, you know, there was a chance there to get Tyreek Evans, nothing. I think the last person that they traded for that was supposed to be a bench score was Isaiah Thomas, and he ended up being your best player for the next two years after that. Um, so there's a couple of moves that have to be made this year, um, or else I think we're probably in jeopardy of seeing a first-round exit this year. Yeah, maybe, maybe not a- – a first round exit. Um, I think we're in that four spot right now. Again, we're in like the we're still in the fourth seed in the East right now. Um, I haven't hit the panic button yet. Um, my hand's slowly going down. Yeah, again, I think you hit on a lot of good points. I think looking at this as a fan, not only did we lose by losing Gordon Hayward, we also lost by not doing that Indiana trade. Miles Turner is, again, not that I've seen Miles Turner play a decent amount. I'm not going to say I know Miles Turner game in and out. I know it enough to know that he is exactly what this team needed. And I think we had a real shot to get him. And maybe we didn't, maybe, I don't know. I don't really know what happened. If Miles Turner was your five right now, you're not 14 to 14. Um, I know he got hurt or I don't know if he's still hurt, whatever. But I just think that that was 
the move you're going to look back. Maybe maybe in three years. I mean, Miles Turner is 25, 26, 27. I don't know how old he is, but I know he fits the timeline. Danny has this tendency to only make a trade when he feels like he's fleecing the other team. And, you know, it's when that happens, it works out well. The Isaiah Thomas trade was a fleece. The, the Nets trade with um, Pierce Garnett and Allen, that was a fleece. You know, it, it, it's great when it works out. But at the same time, you, sometimes you have to make that trade that maybe you might get fleeced, I'm not going to say, or they might, the other team might be getting the better return. But if it's for a guy that's going to change your team that much, you need to make the trade. Um, and the report it's was that. 20, go ahead. No, for a 24-year-old big that averages almost four blocks a game and can stretch the floor and has a decent contract, I would have done whatever. And they had, I mean, the report is they had the opportunity to, in a sign-and-trade for, for Hayward, um, I don't know if there's a, a ton of truth behind that because I don't think that Hayward and Indiana were ever in agreement. Um, but the report was that if it was going to happen, that Danny would only do it if he got Oladipo and Turner, which, I mean, that would be great. But I don't see a world where Indiana would have done that and it would have made some sense for them. But now that, like, I'm hearing that – or now that we see that, like, he just got flipped for Karis Levert, like, okay, maybe maybe that could have happened if the Celtics threw in something. I'm not 100% sure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to – I didn't sugarcoat that last, what I was just saying at all, but I don't think that the Celtics season is done, but, like, there needs to be a couple of changes made here because it's the same team as it's been the last three years, and the teams in your conference have gotten better. Like, I don't know if Danny's heard, but that guy James Harden's in your division now. Um yeah. You know, Milwaukee's still Milwaukee. They just got Drew Holiday, and you're you haven't done anything at all. Um, so, I mean, a couple of a couple of trades, or yeah, a couple of trades need to be made here. Um, Dave, I'm sitting here, and Napoli's already down two nothing in the first 20 minutes of Europa League. Yeah, I'm used to it. This is a tough season, yeah. Uh, anything else, Dave? <laughs> uh, no, not really. I'd say just give it a little time. Maybe a couple moves coming. Things turn around. Stay positive on this one. I just throw one more thing in because I, I saw a picture of it on Twitter. In 2017, okay, now, mind you, contracts, money plays out. Obviously, all these guys couldn't get paid. The Celtics had on their team at one time Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Kyrie, Marcus Morris, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, and Jason Tatum. I think I just threw out eight names who are all probably like seven of those guys throw out Marcus Morris are probably like top 100 guys in the NBA right now. That's crazy to me. And it, it goes back from to that, that storyline is it, can Brad Stevens make good teams great? Because he's no. made – or can he make – sorry, I should rephrase that. Can he make great teams elite? Because he's made good teams great, but he's yet to make that step. And he's had pieces – I mean, like you just said, I mean, that's a that's a hell of a team. Um, Daniel Tice, Shane Larkin, and Sam Lillard are 9, 10, 11. And Shane Larkin is – I love Shane Larkin too, by the way. But 
Where is Shane Larkin right now? Is That's he tough. I think, I think, dude, I saw someone tweeted. It was like Shane Larkin scores like 40 in three straight games. I think he's just putting up numbers over there. Yeah, it's like Jimmer going off in, in China. Yeah. Greatest, greatest college basketball shooter of all time. Maybe second for Steph, but that's a, we can discuss that later. Um, we'll, we'll segue right, right into the, the college basketball. Um, first week without, second week, I guess, without football. Um, so, which technically means in the non-official sports calendar of the year, it's officially college basketball season. Um, so what we're going to do here is kind of dive deep a little bit into the college basketball world this year. Uh, you know, what's going on, what you might've missed, who's good, who's not, who's going to make the tournament, who's not. Um, you know, I'll start here. Um, I'll, I'll start with that your traditional powerhouses are not good. And there are some real like stinkers that not stinkers, um, non-traditional powerhouses that have a real shot at making a run for it. So what I mean by that is Duke is nine and eight right now. Um, we have North Carolina will probably make the tournament, but they are not as nearly as strong as they usually are. Kansas is good, not great. Um, Kentucky is seven and thirteen right now. Um, am I missing any other? Oh, Michigan State is eight and ten, maybe. Um, so I mean, the, the teams that are uh, typically ruling the college basketball world are having big down years this year. Um, I'll kind of hop into things as we go along. Bob, where do you want to start off? Zaga is an absolute wagon. That's it. Yeah, no, Gonzaga is – they got depth. They have some new tra- – they had some transfers this year. Uh, Andrew Nemhart, I think his name is. Uh, point guard from Florida. He's been a huge addition off the bench. Um, Jalen Suggs is an absolute baller. Uh, as a freshman, I think he's averaging 24 right now. Um, he would probably be in the um, National Player of the Year uh, conversation, if yeah. not for Luka Garza. He will not be in a Gonzaga uniform for long either. Yeah, no, he'll be he'll be a lottery pick this year. Uh, Dave, what do you want to weird. Yeah, you go. Okay. It's kind of weird seeing a Gonzaga guy being a, a, a one and done, but the new norm, I guess. Was was Kelly a one and done? Kelly Olenek? No, Kelly was at least two years. I think he was a sophomore. I the only other one I can think of that would be one and done is is Zach Collins. Was he one and done? I'm pretty sure he was one and done. He's a weird he's one. Guy and that, like, he's if he stayed another year, I know he didn't – I know he, he wasn't drafted as a senior. I don't think he was drafted as a junior. But if, if he stayed another year, he would have dominated college basketball. Um, Dave, what do you want to oh, touch on to start? Uh, I think we probably have to talk about Michigan. It's a very impressive uh, comeback against Wisconsin. Uh, came off a three-week break to COVID. So uh, playing a team like Wisconsin, who's still very good, um, especially going down 14 – and then coming back, I think that's a really impressive thing. And I think that's a, a statement game for them to say, 
you know, we should be a, a, a one seed going, going forward. And I mean, they're going to have a big game this weekend against Ohio state, which I'll mention later. It's one of my picks. Um, um, but yeah, definitely Michigan. Very impressive. Um, we talked about the Loyola Chicago Drake series and probably bring that up. Um, they split that one Loyola won big on the first day. And then the next day, Drake won an OT. Um, Drake might be finding themselves back in the top 25 after that, uh, along with Loyola Chicago, if they don't drop out. Um, Drake's a good team, so I don't see them dropping out. You never know, though, with the um, with the committees and stuff. Uh, Big Ten, obviously one of the best conferences out there, the best conference this year, uh, nine of which are projected to make the field, um, and uh, five of those in the top 25. Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, Iowa, and Wisconsin. Um, yeah, I guess I'll throw that back to you about the, the Big Ten. You got anything for that? Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten, you could realistically see I, – I think you could see five of the eight teams um, from the Elite Eight could be Big Ten teams this year. Um, Illinois is – I think Illinois is a team that has, like, hit their stride in March vibes to them. Um, I'm not even going to try and pronounce their, their best player, his name. A.O. Dunsuma? Yes, A.O. Dunsuma. Dunsuma. He is a baller. Um, Michigan, I mean, like you just talked about, they're the three seed right now, 14-1, and one, big game coming up this weekend. Um, you know, all they've done is win so far. Uh, Wisconsin is always a good March team. Brad Davison is still there, which doesn't seem – possible Micah Potter is one of my favorite players in college basketball um Iowa we haven't talked about yet um Luca Garza is the best player in college basketball CJ Frederick's still there Jordan Bohan can run a point that is a team that if they can figure out even a little bit of defense three-point shooting takes you very far in March they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country um keep an eye on them um am I missing? Oh, Ohio State is a team that has continued to prove me wrong the entire year. Uh, they continue to get keep getting big wins. They've beaten – they're the only team to beat um, – actually, no, that's not true. Um, they've beaten Iowa so far. They've beaten Wisconsin so far. They have a couple of big wins. Um, they have – again, they got a game against Michigan coming up this week. Um, so that's another team to keep an eye on. And I'm missing one more. Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State. Maybe that is all five. Um, but I'm going to go back and touch on what you – you started talking about Loyola, Chicago, and Drake. The mid-majors this year are – you know, there, there are some really, really good mid-major teams this year that can make some noise. Um, Winthrop's a really good team. Belmont's a really good team. Those two will probably get um, get in through their tournament. Um we have um, the teams in the Mountain West are pretty good this year. Boise State is very good. Colorado State's very good. Utah State's very good. Those are some teams that could make some noise. Um, you know, a lot remains to be seen. We still have three weeks to go before our tournament season starts. Um, the Missouri Valley is pretty good, like we just talked about. Um, you know, Loyola Chicago and Drake are the two big ones, but um, – Missouri State is still kind of in the in the in the picture there, um, and then you know we haven't talked about the other big school, the other big conferences. Um, Bob, what are you thinking about the ACC this year? 
Yeah, I was just going to bring up this point. I think, and they're kind of a sexy pick because they had the big win this weekend or last weekend, but I think Florida State is a dark horse. Um, in my mind, they're the best team in the ACC. Uh, they caught on, you know, they, they play 10, 11 guys, and they have a stud in Scotty Barnes who I think could kind of blow up in March. Um, overall, though, the ACC is just down. They're just not that good. Um, Virginia is still kind of Virginia, kind of. Um, Duke, Duke sucks. They again, Duke can win though. They can win the ACC tournament, and be good. Um, but you're fine. You're gonna find a lot of ACC teams on that like nine, ten, eleven bubble, which usually there's only like three or four because six of them are you know top fifty teams in the country or top. I guess like 35, not 50. But I think you're going to see a lot of ACC teams get left off this year due to those mid-majors. I mean, again, if you're a mid-major and you go 20 and 5 and, you know, some of them have good wins, I'd rather have that team in than have a 14 and 10 ACC team. Hey, uh, another – so the other – or actually, before I move it, even move on, my favorite team in the ACC right now is Georgia Tech. Um they have this point guard, Jose Alvarado. He's probably like the most electric point guard in um, college basketball, not because he's, you know, got crazy handles or anything, but he's an absolute gamer. He's in every single game. He's fist pumping. He's getting his guys fired up, which, you know, is speaks volumes considering they're playing in pretty much empty gyms other than maybe like a couple that have just students. Um, they probably won't make the tournament, but they're going to be a nice little spoiler team maybe in the ACC tournament. Maybe if they get a couple good wins, they, they creep up a little bit. Um, the SEC this year, not as much of a powerhouse as it is. You can probably lead that to Kentucky kind of underachieving this year. Um, Tennessee is pretty good. Alabama is very, very good. Roll Tide. Um, what's that? Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Uh, Florida might creep in. Ole Miss is on the bubble right now. Um, so there's a lot of – I mean, it's kind of crazy. SEC is kind of in the same spot that uh, ACC teams are in. And then when you move over to the Big 12, it's very top-heavy. The top six or seven teams will probably make the tournament. And then the other five teams, six teams, whatever it is, I can't even keep track because they call themselves the Big 12 and then they have like 14 teams. It's very frustrating to me. Um, Once – you kind of hit that that midpoint, the, the scale drops off big time. But Big 12, you have Texas, you have Kansas, you have um, you have Texas Tech, you have Baylor, West Virginia. Baylor, dude. Ba- Baylor's, oh, Baylor's number two in the country right now. Um, you know, it's when these teams don't play, like they kind of fall out of my mind a little bit. Dude, they have, like, I don't, they have I don't think it's been like three weeks. I think it's been like three weeks since Baylor's played. And the last game I did, the last game I remember them playing, they beat – Oklahoma State or Kansas? Like, I don't think they've played since we've been at school. They were supposed to play Oklahoma State this week or this week. That's because I was looking at them. I think their next game is the 23rd, I think. They're done their whatever period in the 23rd. And then, you know, Pac-12 is Pac-12. They're actually better than Pac-12's been in the years, couple, yes. past couple of years. Um, USC is a pretty good team. UCLA will probably sneak in. Um, besides that, not too, too much there. Um, I mean, 
yeah, like I said, I mean, it's kind of an underwhelming year. There's no, there's not a lot of marquee teams this year, um, which makes it seem like there, this might be a year where teams that are five, six, seven ranked couldn't make deep runs. Um, the question I ask, I'm going to ask you guys is March Madness is going to be played as of right now. They're going to be played in gyms where it's only family that are allowed and maybe students, but they haven't quite um, specified just yet. Do you think that having empty gyms helps or hurts the lower seed teams? Um, I would say hurts, but like, because you always see the lower seeded teams get the fan, the fan approval and all the cheers. Like, you know, when Lehigh beat Duke, obviously I have to bring it up. All of the fans in the arena are rooting for Lehigh, of course, because I, th- I believe it was in Greensboro. So all the, all the Tar Heel fans were obviously rooting against Duke. Um, same thing happened that year with Norfolk State. And then the, year, the next year or whenever that was with Mercer, it, it's just – and FGCU, obviously. It's just like the crowd loves an underdog. But I don't think, I don't think that'll prevent any, any upsets from happening, no. Bob, what do you think? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take their side of this. Uh, I'm gonna go. It actually helps them. Um, I've the last couple of years. I think it's been in Boston and in Providence, or Boston and Hartford. And I've went both times. The Boston was the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight. Providence or Hartford was first round, second round. Um, saw John Morant before he was John Morant, which is sick. Um, and. You're saying it hurts, or it hurts because you know all the fans are rooting for the underdog. When you go to those games, like I think I remember I saw Villanova play in Boston. It's Villanova fans are they're in their region for like you don't think if they're in if they're in Washington with Gonzaga. I'm not saying Gonzaga has a ton of fans, but like it's gonna be packed if they're in rally for Duke. The underdog's got no – I mean, obviously, you know, the, the fans that stumble in that are fans of X team that isn't Duke. Obviously, everyone – Duke is a weird school because you either love Duke or you fucking hate Duke. And I'm going to take more people fucking hate Duke. But, again, like, Duke fans are die- – they, all they have is basketball because Duke sucks at everything else. So you're going to Duke – like, you're going to go to their basketball games. Um, and I just think that, you know, it, it just puts you on a more level playing field. Um, it's, it's almost got like – I feel like it's almost going to have like AAU tournament vibes this year. Like yes. all these teams are just like in the same gym just watching each other and like there's no one really else there except for like your parents. It's going to be weird. It's definitely going to be weird. Maybe Duke wasn't the best uh, example to give. <laughs> um, all right. I, no, I fucking Wait, hate Duke. Right, I, do, I do have one uh, small thing to say. Sure. So it's, I think it's time to talk about a dumb NCAA rule. Um, we got Bellarm, Bellarmine University. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yep. But this is their first year in Division One athletics, and they've been, like a, they've been a powerhouse in D2 for uh, quite some time. I actually know about this because a former Lehigh player actually transferred there. So I, I, know, I knew about them before this story came out. But there's a four-year grace period where a team go- coming into Division One can't play in the postseason. And right now they're the first; they're in first place in the A Sun. That's the division with Liberty, uh, Florida Gulf Coast, Lipscomb, 
And I don't know. I mean, they really don't have many bad losses. I mean, they lost to Duke. I guess Duke sucks this year. But at the time, a new Division One school going to Duke is not the easiest task. Um, I don't know. I just think it's ridiculous. If, if a team – if a mid-major team is good enough to be yeah. in contention, then why – why wouldn't they be allowed to do? Yeah, that? no, definitely. I mean, if if a team is going down from Division One to Division Two, then maybe that makes sense. But going from Division Two to Division One, I, I don't see that there should be any reason to to exclude um, a team from going to the tournament. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I, I, I actually never like. I don't even know what the reasoning is behind it. To be honest, I don't know. The NCAA sucks. Yeah, they do. Can I just get that. If they, if anyone from there listens to that, sorry, but the fucking NCAA blows. We can college football, the video game really took it ten years to bring it back. Yeah, no, it's the crazy. You, you could you could hop into a to an NCAA discussion and be here for for an hour talking about how they're corrupt. Four years is so excessive. Like four? Come on. All right, um, moving on to the soccer Great. portion of the show. Um, so, Champions League, first round of the first legs of games of the round of 16 um, started today, or started this week, I should say. Tuesday, we had a 2-0 win for Liverpool over Leipzig, and we had a 4-1, um, I guess you could call it an upset if you were looking at Vegas, PSG over Barcelona without Neymar. Um, Kylian Mbappe with a hat trick there. Um, we'll start on Tuesday. I guess you could say everyone's been saying like this is Kylian Mbappe's coming out game, but like Kylian Mbappe has been a top five player in the world for like two or three years now. Um, so I don't really get that one. Barcelona's always due to get blown out in the Champions League every single year, and that's how they get eliminated. So it just happens to be that this is the year that it happened. Um, I watched that game in full. Barcelona's a wreck right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it's safe to say we were wrong about that game. PSG absolutely dominated Barcelona. Barca got off to a quick start with a messy pen, but after that, it, it kind of just went right downhill. And, you know, you could actually argue that not having Neymar helped them a bit because Neymar's the type of player to slow the game down. Um, sometimes he'd, I don't know. Sometimes he does a little bit too much with all of his tricks and stuff. Um, but, like, I don't know. Mbappe on the, on the counterattack is lethal. And, like, I, I, that, was just, that was just their whole game the other night. And 4-1, they're just an explosion of offense. Um, I don't know. Do you think the yeah, same? No, I mean, M- Mbappe, he – so, I mean, as soon as, as soon as the game ended, they already started talking about, you know, if he, if, if, is he going to Real Madrid to be the – the Cristiano Ronaldo replacement already. Um, I think he's going to end up at either. Actually, I do think he's going to end up at Real Madrid eventually. Um, PSG is just the French league isn't competitive enough for him to, you know, establishes himself as a world star every year. I would love to see him go to the Prem just because I think the Prem is a little bit more competitive than the Spanish league and it's also a little bit more accessible for us to watch. Um, but yeah, and then the second game on Tuesday. Um, Liverpool with a 2 nothing win over Leipzig, um, kind of snapping out a little bit of their, their – they were 2-5 and five in the last seven going into that game. Um, Mane and Salah both scoring. 
Leipzig kind of gifted him two goals, which is a little bit uncharacteristic. Leipzig is very, usually very tidy. Um, don't really make a lot of mistakes. Um, kind of a boring game other than that, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about Liverpool's defense a lot, but, but yeah, Red Bull's defense was the one um, that cost him the game on both goals. Really poor mistakes. The first one was a bad pass, and then the second one, Opamakano just bottled it. I don't – he just – went for the clearance and fell and then Mane was through. Um, but Red Bull actually had some pretty good chances. They hit the post early, um, had a couple other good chances to score, but they couldn't, they couldn't convert. And in the end, Liverpool um, pounced on the chances. I like the tweet. Well, so they are open Meccano, just, uh, he's a defender for Red Bull Leipzig. He's kind of coveted by most of the big clubs in the world. I think he's, 22, 23 years old. They just, they just announced this week that during the summer he's going to be signing with Bayern Munich. Um, and I saw a tweet that said maybe maybe Upamecano really just wants to play for Liverpool after all, um, <laughs> after that second goal, which is funny. Um, Wednesday games, moving on to there. Uh, we'll start with Sevilla versus Dortmund. Um, Dortmund with a 3-2 victory over um, Sevilla. Erling Holland, two goals and an assist. I mean, I don't think that you can argue outside of Lewandowski that he's not the, the best striker in the world. Oh, yeah. I, I draw com- – if the listeners know, I draw comparisons to one Stein Balog versus Milbury in high school. I mean, Holland just looks like a man amongst boys, really. Like, he's just, like, so powerful and his runs are so – like perfect. I don't really know how to explain it other than that he's an absolute animal. And just, like he seems like such a goofy person too. Oh, like yeah. if you follow him on social media, well, there's like whistleblowing talk. Um <laughs> if you follow him on social media, like he's posting pictures after the game where he just scored two goals and an assist, like going to Sevilla in the Champions League, and he's like making memes on his story. Like he's just like he's just a goof. Yeah, um MNG Reyna. Yeah, I mean, and Gio didn't even play in this first leg. Um, I don't, I'm not overly optimistic that we're going to see him in the second leg either, considering they're up a goal. Probably going to play it a little defensively. Um, we'll hop to the next game. Ronaldo and Juventus upset 2 1 to Porto in Portugal. Um, first minute of the game, Bentaker just absolutely gifts Porto with a goal. Never really looked back from then. Um, Chiesa, big away goal to kind of give them a little bit of legs um, going into the second leg. That'll be at home. Um, my brother thinks that Chiesa looks like Jimmy Donadio. What do you think, Dave? Yes, I was. I couldn't stop thinking about the whole entire game. Actually, it's funny that you said that. Um, but I, I did watch this game in full, and Juventus was absolutely shit. Like a terrible performance defensively, so sloppy and like. And Chesney, man, Chesney was shaky the entire game. That first goal is terrible. Like, right after, like, oh, God. They, how can you, like, how can you choke in the first minute of the game and then the first minute of the second half? Like, you got to have some sort of – Pirlo definitely um, did better halftime talk than that than, than for them to come out like that. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they maybe go after a keeper in the offseason. I mean, Buffon's got to retire eventually. And, and probably. Yeah, probably. 
Chesney hasn't been – I mean, he's been fine, but he hasn't been overly convincing this year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, but that was a good – that was a really important goal for them at the end of the game. Um, give them a little bit of hope. Uh, and then just like that, all you need to do is win one nothing at home and you're through. So they can definitely get it done. Um, they, I think they will. But, I don't know, we were wrong last week. We could be wrong again next week. Um, so moving on to next week's games on Tuesday, we have Atletico versus Chelsea. Um, I'm, I don't really know what to expect from that game, to be completely honest with you. Atletico has been on an absolute tear in La Liga. Um, just tied Granada yesterday, um, or Levante, excuse me. Uh, they play them again on Saturday, and then we'll be going to Budapest to play this game because of COVID restrictions and country, or, um, teams not being able to go to certain countries. So they'll be playing at a neutral venue for um, the second game or the first game of this um, leg, and then the other game on Tuesday is Lazio Bayern. Um, I see Bayern kind of proceeding there with ease. Um, Dave, thoughts on those two games? Uh, Bayern's an absolute uh, worldy. Like they're head and shoulders above Lazio. Um, Chelsea, I really hope. Pulisic gets back on the sh- on the team sheet. He's uh, been struggling to find minutes. He didn't come off the bench the other day, um, and that hit, that's kind of surprising because with the new management uh, under Tuchel, who was with him at at Borussia, uh, I would have thought that he would have been one of his first selections, but didn't even make it off the bench. Uh, so we hope we hope uh, our American boy gets on the field for that yeah. one. I was looking into tweets about it and I, I really didn't even realize it but Tuchel was his last manager before he left for Chelsea and that was when he started to get kind of get phased out for minutes um between uh Paco Alasser and Sancho and I don't think it was Dembele at the time I forget who the third guy was but um it, you know it's fair to ask if if Pulisic's highly rated by Tuchel um I don't I'm not going to panic about it right now um, but I mean, he, he's got to start putting in, putting results up on when he gets on the field, because even, you know, he produced at an extremely high rate once COVID came back or once they came back from COVID last year. Uh, but this year just hasn't been able to find his footing. Um, and then Wednesday next week, we have Atalanta versus Real Madrid and Borussia Mönchengladbach against Man City. I don't see much upsets coming there. Uh, Real Madrid's been pretty in pretty good form um, after some early season woes. Um, Atalanta is always a sneaky kind of team that is always prone for an upset here and there. Uh, and I think, I mean, Man City is probably the hottest team in Europe right now. So I don't see Gladbach stopping them. Yeah, I agree with you on the City one. Probably the Madrid one too, but, you know, Atalanta can score a lot of goals and they can score them quickly. So anything can happen there, I'd think. All right, that is the uh, soccer portion of the show. We are going to move into our final part of the show, uh, the picks. Um, Before we start, uh, if you're listening up to this part, you will hear, um, if not, if you don't listen to this part, we'll announce it on uh, the story. We are going to have our first guest interview on the next week's show. Um, Not going to say who just yet. We haven't gotten it done yet, Um, but really excited to see where this thing kind of goes. Uh, and hopefully we'll be the first of many. Um, 
So tune in next week to, to figure out or to find out who that's going to be. Um, for right now, we're going to go back to the picks. Um, so, Bob, another good week for you, 2-0. Um, Dave, was at 1-2 and two this week, but you've won your upset, plus 240. 1-3 um, for me again. Um, a couple bad beats there. Iowa was a gimme. Um, you know, it's only, it only going up here. Um, so I'm, I'm going to put the last two weeks in the rear view. We're starting fresh and, and that'll be that. Um, Bob, why don't you start with your picks? Yeah. Uh, before we start, just I'm sure they're bad beats or are they just, are they just bad takes from the jump? Um, UNC would have won if we didn't play the, if they didn't play the first five minutes. So that was not a bad beat, but. I mean, it looked like the right pick. We would have had to change the rules of the game for you to win. Yeah. Um, I can Sevilla was up on nothing. I mean, I, it's not my fault that Holland just decided to fucking pour it on. And then I don't remember what my other two picks were last week. I'm not even going to lie to you. It's tough to remember. Iowa. Yeah. I don't remember the third one. You took Iowa. You did take Iowa. We'll give you that one. Um, yeah, I'll just kick it off. Uh, I got four for you. I got two games, one kind of miscellaneous, and then one prop. Um, we'll start with the two college games I got. I got Michigan Moneyline over Ohio State. Um, and then I got Hunter Dickinson, the, the good big for Michigan. I got him over on points. Um, every Ohio State loss. Ohio State's a small – for people who haven't seen Ohio State, they're a smaller team. They're, you know, I think their big's about six eight, and they're more of just they're all kind of six five to six eight. And the opposing team has had a day. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, one of the best bigs in college basketball. I'm gonna take Michigan again, money line, and then Hunter Dickinson over on his points. Um, I know I said Dark Horse was Florida State this year for the tournament, but my other team that people just don't talk about, and they haven't had a great year. They've had a lot of COVID issues. Is Villanova? Um, they're playing UConn this week, and I think UConn's one of those teams that people still kind of give them more respect than they deserve. Um, they do have James Boknight or whatever his last name is. He is a stud. Uh, they got a cook a cook shout out. Gave him the work freshman year. Um, he's a good player, but whatever the line is in that game, you don't know. But they lost last week, um, bouncing back. And then for all you tennis fans out there. Uh, give me Naomi Osaka, uh, two to zero in Wimbledon final. Uh, for her to win two nothing, it's minus one forty. Not the best odds, but I don't know who she's playing, and I only know her and Serena, and she beats Serena easily. So give me Osaka two nothing, and just Australian take the, that's Australian. So what did I say? Wimbledon. Ah, uh, yeah, Australian, Australian Open. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Easy money, free picks, take them. There you go, Dave. Uh, shout out my pick last week. Uh, Satyrs, Holy Cross, did not let me down. Woo, good pick. I'll give myself props for that one. Um, moving on to this week, I'm going to go opposite of Bob and take Ohio State for the reason that Michigan is still coming off that three-week break, and I think Ohio State's going to be a tougher challenge for them especially also at Ohio State. They were also at Wisconsin. Um, But I think Ohio State's going to handle them. I'll take 
Ohio State money line. Um, and then tonight, this one's uh, another big game, Iowa versus Wisconsin. Um, I'm going to take Iowa money line. You'll see if I'm right uh, by the time this is posted. Uh, number six offense in the country. They got Luca Garza, best player in the country. Uh, they're going to rebound. I, I know they had a, a loss, a tough loss the other day or the other week. Um, I was talking to Kyle about it. I don't remember exactly what game it was. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, they played – Wisconsin played Michigan close, but, I mean, they were off a three-week break. They were rusty, and, and Michigan came back in the second half and, and uh, dismantled them. But So, for that reason, I'm going with Iowa money line. And then the last one I'm going with soccer. I'm back to Fulham. Fulham's playing the last-place team in the Premier League. Fulham's 18th. Um, it's going to be a relegation matchup, relegation battle. But Fulham really needs this win. They're six points back of safety. So I think they're going to get it. And then I don't really want to – I don't really want to say this one as an official pick. Are we still doing – are we counting ups like our upset picks as – I mean, you, you can just throw it out there. If you, we, we don't have to count it. All right. Thank you. Uh, but if it hits, you count it? No. All right. You got to – it's like a bet. Put it in or, no. or don't put it in. All right. I'll just say it then. Um, All right. Minnesota home versus Illinois. All right. Virtual rushing the court. Money line? Yes. All right. Um, I have three with a potential of four picks. I'll explain at the end. Um, I'll start with college basketball. Um, my first one is going to be Texas Tech over Kansas. I don't know what the, the line's going to be there. Um, but, I mean, Texas Tech is probably the Second, in my eyes, probably the second best team in the Big 12. Um, I think they're a little bit better than Oklahoma. Kansas having a down year. They just struggled to beat the worst team in the Big 12, Kansas State. Uh, I like Texas Tech this weekend. Um, I also, um, I'm actually going to go on the, actually, I'm going to go to the pond. Um, or actually the lake, I should say. Uh, the Bruins are playing on Lake Tahoe against the Flyers on Sunday uh, afternoon against the Flyers. Um, I don't know what it is, but seeing the Bruins play outdoors, I'm just convinced they're like they're they're undefeated and they're not going to lose. It's impossible for them to lose. Um, I'm going to take the Bruins on Lake Tahoe outdoor game money line there. Um, I might take them minus one and a half. I have to see what the line is. We'll we'll talk about it. Um, and then for soccer. Uh, I'm going to be taking Bayern against Eintracht Frankfurt. They dropped points last week against Armenia Bielefeld. Um, I don't see them dropping games two games in a row. Um, the only way I see them – or I see this being a little bit concerning for me is that if they rest a couple players for Champions League game on Tuesday against Lazio, um, again, kind of contingent on the lineup, but I'll just say that that's my pick. Um, and then my last pick, it's contingent on injuries. Everton is playing Liverpool this weekend in the uh, Merseyside Derby. They let me down last weekend. I kind of called it too while I was picking it. They have a tendency to, to drop points against teams that they shouldn't. But here's the thing. Everton hasn't won a Merseyside Derby in the last 10 years. They drew the first one this year. Liverpool is not the hottest team in the Premier League right now. They're not hot by any means. If Dominic Calvert-Lewin is healthy – and we get either Allen or Andre Gomez healthy. I'm taking 
Everton plus 550. Fire me the fuck up. I need a Merseyside Derby win. I like it. I'm with you on that. 50. <laughs> they were plus 850 yesterday um, against Man City, but Man City is just on a different – literally on a different planet than everybody else in Europe right now. Um, Dave, let's, why don't you give us something to ponder and then we'll get out of here. Water is a beverage whose flavor is temperature. That's it. All right. All right. Ponder that. Think about it for the week. Um, thanks for listening. Again, next week we'll have our first guest interview. Um, until then, take it easy. Later, boys. Peace. Peace.